0: Codys peace, cowboys. few things off the top, Chad.
1: Is, is that what you say?
0: No, it's not, but you knew that. <laughs> few things. One, your impression of me? Uncanny.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> 100% good. <laughs> good. Number two, it does feel like I'm uh, a backseat driving a little bit when someone else starts the show. Although it is weird to be the play-by-play guy. The James spot in The Falcon in the Winter Shoulder and, and you doing the play-by-play, the, the role change has revitalized the podcasting world for me, even though the show, I'd rather stop watching. Interesting. Okay, so 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 uh,
1: the there's a, an inverse correlation between the quality of the shows that you're reviewing and the uh, the inspiration you feel when recording the podcast.
0: Right, Chad. I mean, you can't just miss your chance to blow. Your opportunity comes once in a lifetime. Anyway, <laughs> welcome to Falcon in the Cold Shoulder, episode three. This one entitled Power Broker. It is Ryan and Chad at it again. James had to take the week off. It might be our Chad and Ryan's show at this point. Well, two-thirds, and it's <laughs> six episodes total. So uh, it's going to be in and out. But for now, we are going to be talking about Falcon and the Winter Soldier, episode three. Before we begin, Chad, I will say mm-hmm. this. If the super serum isn't a gateway into, like, forced mutants... You're like, oh, mutants are just like if Super Serum happened when you were born. Oh, it's dumb no. and I hate it.
1: I don't want that.
0: No, no. Right. That would be so dumb. Yeah. But you know what's also dumb, Chad? Not so having mutants dumb. in the MCU when they own them now and they're just like, oh, can't go back on it. Too many years. We're so deep.
1: Yeah. But I, yeah. I mean, I'm fine waiting if it means we're going to get like good mutants, you know? Like, I uh, I don't want them to just be like, oh, hey, we have the rights now, so here they are. Oh, by the way, they've been here all along. Let's not pay attention to the fact that... that I don't know. I, I I want them to
0: do a good job, and I'm fine waiting for of it. Of course. Well, everyone does. Here, this is this is what we'll do, okay? We'll put a pin in this, okay? We will okay. circle back on what is the most eloquent, exquisite way mutants <laughs> can be introduced into the MCU, and we will... If we remember it, come back to that at the end of the show. Okay, audience, you guys think about it too, okay? Did they do you think they said back okay, back to me, Chad?
1: Wait, do you have an audience like on your side or? No, not
0: yeah, they're in, all of them in front of me.
1: <laughs> You're
0: recording in front of a live studio audience? That would be awesome <laughs> with a clap track to let me know when I'm funny. That would be great. <laughs> it'd be good because i need the validation before we keep going <laughs> patreon.com slash hbo boys boys of the Z for one or more dollar a month but you can do only one we give you that option because we're the nicest of guys you get a bunch of bonus content we do banter before every other podcast so you get like 15 to 20 minutes of talking before the podcast or, or after it just like what our vibes are and i swear we'll just we're gonna stop complaining about superheroes Real soon on those banter sessions, and by real soon I mean like three, five months from now, because we got more Disney Plus shows on the way. Loki is coming up. We're going to be finishing up Justice League coming in the near future, and Falcon and the Winter Soldier rocks on as we are in the middle of it. Chad is not a patron yet, but I can't fault him, I guess. I mean, to be fair, he's on one side of the economic structure. I I, I guess you don't have to be on the other.
1: So, actually... it's a nice little segue because is it you say it's boys with a z? is it is it b o i z?
0: that is correct, Chad.
1: I feel like the i
0: uh-huh
1: is more important than the z
0: mm that Wait is to like
1: point out
0: sure, people. yeah, that is good intuition on your part, something I would not- okay. let me i'm going to spell it for everybody. It is okay, h b o b o i z and I've done it this time so I never have to do it again. I believe that's how podcasting works.
1: See, see cuz I am a patron, but I'm a patron to the HBO boys BOYZ cuz oh. I thought that and I'm an idiot.
0: Sure. That's true. No, that's a gang in Australia. Yeah. They 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 run a <laughs> lot of cocaine. It is that's their thing, this is our thing. We're basically the same. Let's okay. get into the show chat. Okay. Okay, here's the deal. This episode, episode three, halfway through the miniseries, entitled Power Broker, as I've mentioned now thrice, I'm going to just talk about the episode, okay? I'm not going to do any wacky asides about how Superman sucks or or how about heroes such as Falcon and the Cold Shoulder don't matter in the grand scheme of things. I'm going to do hard facts about this television show that at its core is entertainment, and it's supposed to port me away from reality while wrapping me in an emotional blanket of joy and hope. Is that okay with you, Chad? Can I do that? Yeah, do it. Now. What? Yeah. Oh. Anyway, we open episode three with a WandaVision-style commercial for the GRC. What did you think about this?
1: I thought it was nice context, but
0: kind of unnecessary. Sure. It's really just to show that the GRC is a uh, front- it uh, has a very nice, like, the, it's one face on one side is emotionally supportive and gives you water when you need it. And on the other side has a possible maniac with a shield just running around Latvia beating people yeah.
1: up. Mark Marketing is key. Uh, sure. And, and the, it was very clearly juxtaposed with a person in a military vest
0: holding a gun. Exactly. And you know what? If you don't do what the GRC says, they are going to shoot you. Or just, like, try to mess you up real bad, as evidenced by hashtag not my cap raiding the safe house in Munich where the occupants spit in his face, as previously mentioned, and force another less microaggression out of him as he shouts, do you know who I am? Which was so gross. Right. <laughs> Steve Rogers would not ever say that, would he, Jeff?
1: Well, he wouldn't have to because we know who he is.
0: Where, yeah, he's Chris Evans. We're very aware of him.
1: He's right. Not, yeah.
0: He's not Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell's son. He's not Ego's son.
1: So apparently, people hate the actor now so much that he had, he has been removed from social media. He has removed himself from social media because he's he's harassed. He's so doing
0: much. a good job, then I suppose.
1: I mean yeah he's clearly supposed to be
0: disliked
1: you know like so, so if anything uh, their harassment is just evidence of a good job acting
0: right I, I i mean i was pretty certain but not 100% certain that we're definitely not supposed to like him and then he said do you know who i am and i was like oh we're supposed to hate him
1: Right. Yeah, there's a nice kind of like fade in to disliking him because when you first met him, you were like cautious. And then at the Good Morning America interview, like I for a second was like, oh, okay, he's like a good candidate for Captain America. And now it's just completely thrown out the window. He's a dick.
0: Exactly. So they figure out that they're kind of out of options here with in the governmental guidelines and red tape. They can't really do anything else. So they got to rely on the two guys they desperately don't want to rely on, Falco Lombardi and Fox McCloud, <laughs> a.k.a. Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And uh, I suppose in this scenario, Captain America is Pepper and Battlestar is Slippy Toad. Would you say that's accurate?
1: Yeah,
0: sure. Good. Anyway, Fox <laughs> asks Falco to go in alone to see Andorf. Uh You know what? Actually, at this point, I think this is going to get confusing, Chad. I'm going to switch back to regular names if that's fine with you. Okay,
1: yeah. No more metaphors.
0: It's not a metaphor. It's uh... a... Simile? No. Yes.
1: Analogy? It's yes. It's all of
0: those things. And more. It's also a wonderful video game. Star Fox characters are the best. So, Bucky the Badger goes in to see Zemo. Who I really thought I never needed to see ever again. I thought I was done with Zemo and all of his bullshit. Uh, and at the same time, Bucky is like, "I'm a lone wolf. Let me go in alone." And uh, so you you kind of came to Zemo's defense last week. You're you're not as as down a, on him as as I am.
1: No. Yeah. Wh- wh- why? Should we be down on him? I thought that he was delightful.
0: Oh, yeah? Is that just in retrospect, yeah. though, after this episode?
1: Uh, I think that they... We, I feel like in five minutes in this episode, we learned more about his character than we did in the entire movie that he was featured in.
0: Yeah, the antagonist of? Isn't that weird?
1: Yeah, absolutely. But apparently he's he's rich, mm-hmm. uh, and he's actually a baron and he, and he, like i said he's delightful he's very charismatic um and surprisingly honorable for somebody who uh is a vicious murderer
0: right you say honorable i would describe it more as just like he has a code and he has goals and those things are not like buried deep down he's very surface about them and he's going to stick to those things no matter what. And then when he does them, you're not supposed to be surprised.
1: Right. Right. So Zemo
0: greets Bucky like an old college buddy. He used to do assassinations for, and (laughs) he's saying the words and everything, but they don't seem to rattle Bucky at all. And Bucky goes into, you know, do you know where the super syrup, uh, the Hydra had, do you know where they're making that? (laughs) And, And Bucky is convinced by Zemo or perhaps the other way around that he needs to be broken out. As a quick recap for Zemo, he blew up the UN. Okay? He killed mm-hmm. King Tashaka. And so he mm-hmm. did those things and he was not cool. Or at least he wasn't cool. And he framed Bucky for do for that. Exactly. So Bucky should be more pissed. But he is, I guess, doing a good job at his new job, which is, I need to use this person for something very specific. So just chill out, Buckster. You're going to be fine.
1: Here, Here's a thought. Do you think that if it wasn't for Baron Zemo, Thanos wouldn't have been successful during Infinity War?
0: Explain further.
1: Well, in Infinity War, one of the reasons why Thanos was able to win was because the Avengers weren't assembled. You know, he he got to fight everybody in groups. And uh but if everyone was together and working towards the same objective and Thanos didn't have, you know, uh five Infinity Stones when he got to Wakanda, maybe they would have stood a chance.
0: I think I agree with you, but I also think that the plot and the final fight had to be set up in some way and that was the way they chose right like they wanted the to your left moment and i'm glad they did it was one of my yeah. favorite moments
1: yeah i wasn't i wasn't criticizing no, i no, just no. think like yeah. in in retrospect it's kind of interesting how that how this character who who most people probably kind of forgot about despite being a major character in one of the better avengers-esque movies how he might have played a big part in, in the structure of Infinity War.
0: Right. Like, he talks about Machiavelli in this episode. He was a means to a Thanos end, one that the MCU wanted at the end of phase whatever the fuck. So, yeah. But that is an interesting thought. So, yeah. He, as you said, is not incredibly memorable. Civil War is less about the evil people in it and more about the Civil War. It's with the name of it Right. Is. But yeah, so he's back and, and ready for action. And apparently, Bucky is, uh, he's being very helpful. He gave him a key card with some sort of magic trick called plot device. And, <laughs> and then Zemo gets out through a prison riot. And like you said earlier, we learn all of these things like very quickly in a montage about him. He is rich. He is going to take them to a fence he knows named Selby. He has a private jet. And he has a butler that I'm going to call Alfred.
1: Not Jeeves?
0: Sure. Is that his actual name? I don't know. Did you ask Jeeves?
1: They're both famous butlers.
0: (laughs) You're not wrong. (laughs) On the plane, they exchange pleasantries. Zemo tries to feed them expired food. And he reads Bucky's little book of names that was apparently Steve's, which makes the Buckster big mad. Sam gets a shield. Bucky gets a notebook. (laughs) Is, is, that, is that how that worked? I I see. It seems so. If I was Bucky, I'd be <laughs>
1: pissed. <laughs> Here's a list of things that I missed when I was frozen. Maybe you'll find it useful.
0: Yeah, I guess. And also, you know, a place to put all the names of the people that you shot their families. Right. They then fly to the fictional island of Madripoor. Do you know anything of Madripoor prior to this from the comic book world?
1: I know that it is uh, featured heavily and originally
0: in the X-Men universe. Ooh, okay. It also kind of felt like a future place Ronan, a.k.a. Hawkeye, could be.
1: Yeah, it, it, you're right. It did kind of have the same vibe as- uh... It has
0: his aesthetic. Yeah. <laughs> Zemo and Bucky are very aware of Madripoor. The place looks like it's pulled right out of Blade Runner with a dash of I like to party. And they infiltrate a local nightclub to speak to the fence that Zemo is talking about.
1: Wait, real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that nightclub. Did that not seem just horribly out of place? Did didn't it seem like like the writer of this episode they wanted a dance club? Sure. So, so they just kind of like shoehorned a dance club into the middle of of an episode that had no business having a dance club.
0: Absolutely.
1: And you get Zemo doing the little jig. Yes. Uh,
0: they and by the way a gif of daniel bruhl doing a little dance i think was made instantly <laughs> like as it happened as it entered someone's eyes a person with a computer inside their own brain spit out that meme it was so fast and also i believe it <laughs> this episode was written by the guy who re- writes uh, john wick movies oh that makes sense yeah right does has that aesthetic as we just said <laughs> So, yeah, part of Zemo's plan as they enter this nightclub and he does a little jig is for Bucky to pretend he has been reverted to his old identity as the ass-kicking and life-ruining Winter Soldier, while Sam impersonates a dude named Smiling Tiger and is sadly forced, sadly for him, not for the audience, to drink snake guts. (laughs) what is the animal that if it was being ripped up (laughs) no you know what do i in the middle of the sentence do i take it back do i move on no i i move forward that's how confident i am what's the animal that if it was being ripped up on the bar and then the stuff inside it was being put inside a drink that you would most be like oh no thank you that i would most be no thank you yeah oh man i think mine's tarantula
1: (laughs) tarantula
0: yeah (laughs)
1: So, so my question is,
0: does he just have a pile of snakes under the bar? No, he had, like, an urn full of snakes. Like, the urn <laughs> that Paul Bearer used to have to raise Undertaker from the dead. He had one of those, but full of dead snakes. <sighs> That's an accomplished right. bartender right there.
1: Apparently. What if it's like really in demand one night and they ran out of snakes?
0: Oh, I know. Well, if there are more snakes right behind the Midori, I think. Does he
1: Does he have like a good a good snake dealer that he can get had, more snakes from?
0: He has a snake guy. He does. He's got a
1: snake guy. I every bartender's got a snake guy.
0: Every single one. If you don't have a good snake guy, what do you do? <laughs> do, you do? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> So their surroundings are rejecting them all actively. Everyone is looking at them like, you shouldn't be here. Bucky is immediately forced to beat up some neer Dwells, which gets them to their meeting with Selby eventually. People are taking cell phone videos of Bucky beating people up with his short hair. And that's for sure going to come back to haunt the boy, right? He's on probation and he's not allowed to be doing that
1: absolutely or not (laughs) or not yeah
0: either one (laughs) yes or no possibly during the negotiation for hey where's the serum guy sam's sister calls and it gives away that they are not who they say they are but they do find out that the serum is in madripoor and that's thanks to Dr. William Nagel, who works for the power broker, uh, and as their cover is blown, though, and they're about to be dead, they get Duex Machina out of the situation as somebody kills Selby from afar. Right. This ends up putting a massive bounty on their heads, or on their cold shoulders, you could say. So they scurry away and discover that the guardian angel that they have is Sharon Carter. Now, (gasps) Chad, I'm apparently supposed to care about who Sharon Carter is. And I forgot 100% that she was in Civil War. (laughs) I didn't watch Agent Carter. I didn't watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Is that the name of it? I I don't even know. That is the name of it. I didn't watch either of those things. What do you know about Sharon Carter that I don't, which is I know basically she's Peggy's great niece and she kissed Steve that one time.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if Steve told... Uh, told Peggy about that when you went back in time.
0: Oh, I would not. I would have left that out.
1: <laughs> left that part out. She, um, she was not in Agent Carter, and she was not in Agents of Shield.
0: Sure, um, I'm, I'm she right was on
1: board. Only in Civil War, she's the one that got Cap his shield back and got uh, Falcon his wings back when they were on the Lamb. Right uh, during Civil War, that's pretty much her her big claim to fame. That's 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 kind of what she did in that movie,
0: and. Now she is on the run. She is not thrilled to see Sam or Bucky, but she does agree to help them with their mission, especially after Sam makes her a deal. Sam basically is just like, hey, hey, listen, I can get you pardoned. And she's just like, that's bullshit. Life is all bullshit. I can never go home. And then Sam reiterates like, no, I can totally get you pardoned. And Sharon's like, you son of a bitch, I'm in. You,
1: You. We find out that everybody basically got pardoned in the Civil War who actually fought in the Civil War. Who, like, did, like, horrible war crimes. Except for her. She wasn't uh, pardoned. Even though, like, Thanos came, the world ended, none of that mattered. It was clearly, like, uh, uh, I don't know. It, it just surprised me that, like, for the last, what, seven years, eight years, she's been hiding out here while everyone else just kind of
0: runs free right few things one not fair two no. a little plot devicey. right like uh, you you could argue that that just should not have happened and if i was her in this reality i'd be like well fuck me i guess
1: like i feel like she must not have tried
0: at all <laughs> cuz after shield closed down i believe she joins the cia right and then she gets excommunicated and shunned and she can't be extradited from Madripoor so that's why she's chilling there but you're right like it doesn't seem realistic that this should be happening in the first place but she's here and sam the avenger who's definitely the poorest avenger and who just got shoved out of the way for a white captain america and the government was like psyched that he gave the shield back the one who's like in a really good spot right now is like I can pardon you and she's like oh perfect <laughs>
1: So her her place in Madripoor, it uh, it raises a lot of suspicions, it has, uh, on the internet. And we can get into speculation zone later.
0: Ooh. But I like, just,
1: just want to kind of tease that for later.
0: Go ahead. I'm teased. So anyway, naturally, on the run, Carter likes to party. And so she throws one. At said party, they get info on a shipping container depot, which contains the secret lab of Dr. Nagel, who manufactured the batch of super serum that transformed Carly and her friends.
1: It's implied that he manufactured it from the blood of, um, name escapes me. Isaiah. Isaiah, thank you. But it's not directly said.
0: It is not. It's it's very Stannis in the woods. You go two seasons, you're like, I mean, they didn't show the death on screen. And I know Game of Thrones, they they always show the death on screen. And then finally you're like, nah, I might, I think he might be dead. But while Sam, Bucky, and Zemo, <laughs> N- and Her Great Nagel, Sharon keeps busy by absolutely fucking annihilating a bunch of... Like an endless stream of bounty hunters that are after them. And as you said... They're talking to Nagel, and they're talking about the serum, and he had blood samples of an American test subject while he was at the CIA. That, yes, that they infer was Isaiah, because, and you can tell, like, Bucky and Sam look at each other in that moment. But could it just, like, not be Isaiah? Could it be the new cap? Question mark? Oh.
1: It's a misdirect.
0: All of this is happening, and eventually the goons who are trying to find them have an RPG. For some reason. (laughs) And they blow the shit out of the containers. And then Zemo kills Nagel, which, as he said from the very beginning of this, my mission is to end the Winter Soldier program once and for all. This dude knows how to make the serum. Obviously, I shot him. And I feel like Bucky and Sam are being way, way too lenient with him, they trust him immediately way too much. And then he does this. They he does this and the world's like, uh yeah. Of course he did.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh the whole time, uh, they're very lenient with him. Insofar as like they were in a hideout and when he broke out of jail even, they just trusted not even they. Bucky just trusted that he was gonna come and meet up with them. He didn't have to. You know, he didn't have to do any of the stuff that he's doing.
0: Which On one hand, the leeway they give the character allows for him to be the absolute breakout star of the episode. He's the best part, by far, in my opinion, and a generally entertaining part of a show that I sometimes struggle with. So, uh, you know, a character that I saw at first and was like, why, ends up being the best part of a 15-minute episode to me, and... The the part you just have to kind of ignore is like, oh, this war criminal, you're giving him a lot of, a lot of rope to hang himself with.
1: Right. The, the Kingslayer. He's not just a war criminal. He's a Kingslayer.
0: Yeah. He has a proven track record of being an evil psychopath. But yeah, sure. Give him a gun. That'd be fun. <laughs> From there, it's time to hit the road. Sharon stays behind in Madripoor, though... She tells Sam to keep her posted on that pardon, which is totally going to happen. And the guys pursue their new lead on Carly. Speaking of Carly, by the way, you know, smattered throughout this episode, she and her squad are, are it's like five minutes basically where they cover, she has a maternal figure named Mama Danya who dies inside of a resettlement camp of TB, which apparently is spreading a whole lot through the camps. And then the Flag Smashers as a whole raid a GRC facility, making off with a bunch of supplies that they're going to give back to the camps. We have like a one-minute conversation here where Carly's like, we're doing this for those people. You know, they're displaced. I was displaced. No one's helping them. We're going to help them. And I was like, oh man, I totally kind of get Carly's side. Yeah. And, and then, then. <laughs> And then What and happened then, next, Brady? Then she explodes a building with a bunch of people inside and now those people are dead. And even the guy with her is like, "Hey, why?" <laughs> and she was like, "It's the only <laughs> thing that they'll uh, they'll listen to. This violence is the only language they speak." And the guy was like, "Okay." Uh, so <laughs> so recently, I was right on board with you. And then now I just don't know. You have a on and off relationship with morality that I just can't get on board for 100%.
1: Yeah, well, they need – <laughs> I think this was kind of their answer to uh, – a couple episodes ago, we <laughs> we were saying, you know, the Flag Smashers have a really good point. You know, open borders, peace among the worlds and all this stuff. This is how they, they kind of like really nail in like, oh, no, these are the bad guys. You don't want to yeah. listen to them. You don't want to agree with them. They're the ones who blow up people. And, and yeah. while at the same time, in the in the first episode, we watched as uh, as Sam uh, ruthlessly murdered a bunch of people in a helicopter.
0: Yeah, but he's not bad anymore. No, he's a good guy. He's a good guy, and he'd be fine. And I I didn't feel like when it first happened, I did feel like it was a little cheap, like it was a little forced that Carly and the flag smashers are. Are murderers, especially after, you know, five minutes prior to that, they kill off her possible mom. They show that the resettlement centers are going very poorly. Like, TB is is rampant through them. And the Flag Smashers are the only ones, like, doing the extracurricular helping for these people. And then you get to the moment where she kills a bunch. Yeah, and you're and you're like, oh, you're so close. And I wasn't disappointed in the character. Like, I thought for one moment, like, oh, that does feel a little like, okay, well, no, no, but she's evil. But remember, she's evil. <laughs> but I don't know. I feel fine about it. Okay. Okay. Interesting. So,
1: <laughs> well, let's, let's. All I'm saying is, let's.
0: I'm going to keep an eye on Ryan's morality. That's all. Oh, you don't need to keep an eye on that. I buried that shit. It's because it's gone. Yeah, it's (laughs) gone. It's (laughs) It's way gone. He got (laughs) hit by a train in the 80s. (laughs) So they are now following another lead for Mama Danya, who recently just died. Sam and Bucky, that is. Uh, Plus, you know, fucking Zemo, who's still here. And when they arrive in Latvia, Bucky splits away from them, having spotted something on the ground. They had some beads on it, and then he goes off into... Well, by the way, he's just like, I want to take a walk, and they're like, okay. Uh, <laughs> that's yeah. not weird at all, but he goes down a little path, and he turns around, and it's Ao. I don't know if that's how you spell her name or say her name, but it's his whole pal from Wakanda, and I'm glad that this is happening because he you know, turns around and he goes, I, I was waiting for you to come. I assumed you wouldn't be very cool with me hanging out and just having fun chats with the guy who killed your king. So, right. Oops. Exactly. So, yes, <laughs> Wakanda's here now. Zemo is here. I don't see how Zemo makes it out of this series alive at this point.
1: Yeah, which, which I actually kind of feel like would be a shame. Because I I think that there's a lot of interesting things you can do with the character like Zemo in, in a world of superheroes.
0: Yes. Right. He's like if Lex Luthor was done well.
1: Right. But you, you're right. The fact that, that we're now seeing some Wakandians, uh, there, there's no way he doesn't get some comeuppance.
0: No. And also, he's immediately endearing, which is something you do with a character who you want an audience to get on board with so that when the bad thing happens to them, even though they did right. evil things, he becomes some sort of anti-hero at the end, and you're conflicted when the Wakandans are like, no, 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 he has to die. And you're like, yeah, but I mean, he's so fun, he does jigs. He does jigs. I mean, I, I like how they're um
1: in so far... They're, they've they're they opened up the world a bit more. You know, they're introducing characters that we haven't seen in a while or they're introducing, you know, they're showing how the actions and politics of one group is going to affect other groups in the world. You know, like having Wakanda show up, it's going to have ramifications, I guess, to the story. And it kind of goes back to what I said last week where, we're, we're adding more and more and more to the show, but we're not getting any resolutions. So uh, I feel like the show is going to get really big and it's going to be the connective tissue that brings the rest of the shows or, or MCU together, but isn't going to kind of feel like a complete
0: story on its own. Does that make sense? No, no, absolutely. We're three episodes in and we haven't met the antagonist. Like, right. the antagonist is some shadow power broker who is just or off in the distance. We? Yeah, right. I mean, that's true. It could be Zemo in disguise or something. Or it could be the white guy uh, who was a congressman at the beginning. They they always do that. When it's the rich white guy. Yeah. Uh, it could obviously be him. Or, you know, New <laughs> Cap. or It, it could have been all of them. But I have a feeling we haven't met him yet. But if we have, honestly, that would be better. It would be a better show yeah but they haven't as you said if we get out of next week's episode and we don't know who the power broker is i'll be like okay C- cool sick can we stop wasting our time also how is the final fight gonna be in the air it has to be right i don't know how but it has <laughs> right, to be because
1: of, of falcon you're right
0: 100 percent.
1: yeah i didn't even think of that
0: yeah it's gonna be stupid for sure and then Bucky's going to be like, oh, we're back in the sky. Get over how I no, died that one time.
1: It, it's it's going to be something like, we got to stop the plane while I fight the bad guy. So yep. Falcon, you go do your mission while I'm here punching the bad guy in the face.
0: Right. And Sharon's helping and all of Wakanda is there. Zemo's doing his wacky stuff. He's very helpful, redeems himself, then dies.
1: So so the going theory right now on the internet that I mentioned earlier about Sharon Is that she is actually the power broker, or or works for the power broker? Oh, Um, yeah. After they split in the um, in the I don't know the industrial park. I don't know where they were. Um, she gets in a car with someone and says, "We've got a problem now. Make it two or whatever." I, I don't remember the exact line, but um, she people are thinking that that was her being upset that that like she had to put on a show. For for Bucky and Sam, obviously, but they are going to get in her way for her objective of uh, trying to get back the um, the super soldier serums and having killed the scientists that could make more is obviously a big problem for her. Right? If she w- were the power broker? Do
0: people think that she's like embedded deep by herself, trying to? get back in the good graces of the American government, CIA, the now defunct shield, the Avengers. Like, is she trying to live up to her great aunt and do this all as the, as a lone wolf? Bucky will like that. And, And, and like, she's still a good guy or does the internet be like, I don't know. She bad now.
1: I mean, I could see her being bitter About how she was treated after Civil War and saying, like, you know what, fuck the world. But yeah. I I think what's more likely is she is working for the Power Broker and the Power Broker has some kind of leverage against her or something.
0: That is interesting, though. Uh, I will ask this before we get into the mutant discussion, which I totally remembered. Do you think there will be a post-credit scene before the end of the show?
1: I think there will be a post-credit scene at the end of the show.
0: Yeah. Episode six?
1: Episode six, yeah. They're gonna they're gonna wait. When did we get the first post credit scene in WandaVision?
0: I don't know. Can you just Google that right now?
1: (laughs) Let's just say it was episode seven. Maybe they're they're trying to set a precedent where like in the second like in in the in the act three of the shows they start doing post credit scenes.
0: Listen, I'm glad they're not doing it constantly. Right? Like the overuse of them is campy and gross. So right. and the post credit scene of Falcon and the Winter Soldier about all of these characters. I assume will like mm, I don't want it to be about a character stronger than them, which is most of them. But <laughs> how do I, you know. PS, the trailer for Loki dropped the full trailer today? Yeah. Did you watch it? I did. It looks good. Yeah, no, I'm real excited. And
1: and that show is just going to be
0: crazy he's gonna be balls to the wall this is a loki that did not have the character development of yeah none of that like this is the kind of original og not anti-hero loki yet like he is but he hasn't learned any amount of empathy he's just like cool guy trickster put that guy with owen wilson and see how it goes
1: <laughs> yeah but what's weird is that like it takes place in the past, too. Yep. So, like, is Chris Hemsworth going to gonna make an appearance? It, in the trailer, he, t- he says, brother. You know, you know, he's talking about Thor. You know, are we going to see Heimdall? Are we going to see
0: Asgard with all the characters from the movies? Is Thanos here? Right. And because, you know, it's been reported in the past. Not just even reported. Chris Hemsworth has said it out loud where he was asked to be in Civil War. Like, not a huge part, but at least show up in it and he just said no he was like that's not my movie i want to take this time to do other stuff i'll come back for my movies i'm not gonna do like other parts of the mcu i'm gonna take some time and not be thor and not have to work out 24 7 so like you know they come up and ask him hey do you want to be in a tv show not starring you <gasps> i there could be a, he'd be like mm, no thanks i'm good right
1: yeah, this is this is a Loki who still worked for Thanos.
0: Yes, right. And thinks he's alive and wants to still help him, help him to help himself, wants to take over the Earth, weirdly enough, and has no idea that he's going to die. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah, so so that, that's kind of a question for that. Do, do you think that he's going to, th- this show is going to bring him back to
0: life in like MCU Prime? Maybe on his prisoner uniform it says variants on the back and that was interesting Uh, i think what's going to happen is he's going to see a future where he dies he has to like pick other people other than himself and he and, and get the timeline back to where he's he knows he's going to die or something like that you know what i mean
1: so he he's going to l- make a self-sacrifice to, to write the timeline.
0: Right. So like that, I feel like is a little out of character and maybe it won't happen, but that is the way, like, that's the after school special well, version of the MCU.
1: Is it is it a, a, out of character or is it is it the growth of a character who is
0: incredibly selfish? It's both, I think, a little bit. Because again, this is not future Loki. This is past Loki, right. uh, but you know they can both get there in different ways. He's going to have an entire series to do so. Now, I, I, two things: one, let's wrap up the or episode three of Falcon and the Winter Soldier because we just watched it. We just talked about it. What are your current oh, okay. feelings on this show? We're halfway through.
1: I mean, they haven't changed. It's it's fine. It's a, it's a way to kill forty five to fifty minutes. Uh, I feel like I need to watch it to connect to the the next thing. I mean, I'm enjoying it. It's not like I just finished season two of Barry. It's no Barry.
0: Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's, yeah, Barry's better. <laughs> so this is going. There's going to be some death, like in this Falcon and the Winter Soldier miniseries, because a lot of people in this show can't make it out. And by a lot, I mean mostly like like evil Captain America. That dude's dead, right? <laughs> okay, well we will be back next week to talk about episode four but before we go i've let you the audience and you chad ponder uh, about this question which i'm sure you've only been focusing on for the last however many minutes we've been here how would be the best way for mutants the word mutant who what character says the word mutant first in the mcu
1: oh man yeah dr strange
0: yeah yeah that would probably be right right it's gotta be. Or who is the librarian in Doctor Strange? Wong? Wong, yeah. I feel like, like do you mean like mutants? Like he's just like an offhanded trick. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> do you think that a Doctor Strange-led movie will be where they show up first? Do you think they'll be just given a show unto themselves or a a, a movie unto themselves?
1: There's a lot of ways that Marvel can do it. I think the only way that they can do it where they can play the characters the way that Marvel would want to would be to have it be like a multiverse issue and there's another universe where the where X-Men exists, where mutants exist and maybe there's like a a convergence or something which is something that they've done in the comics where like worlds have collided and like characters from different universes have merged into one universe or like something like that because because it would be it would be unfortunate if we got Wolverine again but we completely cut out the you know he's lived through every major war mm. uh he the his um his amnesia you know, his whole history. Right. Or, or the, the Magneto, uh, Xavier history. Like that, that would, that would do a disservice to the characters that I don't think Marvel would do.
0: Are they going to do their origin stories again?
1: No, I think what they're going to do is, I don't know if it's going to be a standalone movie or if it's going to be a component of another movie, but there's going to be a movie that takes place in another universe primarily. And, it's going to be a mutant filled universe and that's where we're going to meet all the characters and then we're going to leave that place for a while and maybe bring like one or two with us for a while and it's going to build up. So We have these two parallel storylines. Maybe the Loki verse is where that happens. Which is a, a a term I just coined right now. Sure. And it's going to build up towards like a point where like the multiverse tangent of the MCU comes to a conclusion and that conclusion is the the merging of the worlds. Hmm. That way you can preserve all the history. Yeah. Um. I mean, the fact is people don't need to learn about Magneto again. We know Magneto. No. He can f- – he's Magnet Power Man. You know, <laughs> like we get it. Yeah, we
0: got it. Listen – i understand the chip on kevin feige's shoulders right on both of them multiple chips he has an entire tostitos bag on his shoulder and it's because marvel i don't know if any of y'all know or like i'm sure if you're deep into the falcon of the winter soldier podcast that you have some semblance of background and knowledge of this but in the 90s marvel was doing very poorly the reason mm-hmm. why all of these characters were strewn to the wind and sold to other people is because they had not entered their own MCU yet. They had not started this journey to being one of the biggest production companies in the world, and they sold off a lot of their assets, including X-Men, including Spider-Man. Spider-Man, who was, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe far and away their biggest IP at the time. Oh, yeah. It was Spider-Man and X-Men, really, were up there. So they sold those off. And then when they started the MCU from the ground up, they used heroes like Iron Man and Captain America who were like, now it's unfathomable to think, but they were like tier <laughs> two, tier three heroes. They like, people didn't care about Iron Man and Captain America nowhere near as much as they cared about Spider Man. No, absolutely and not. So, like when they got Spider Man back, they didn't wait on that shit. They're not doing what they're doing right now with mutants, being like, okay, now we've built something that has an incredible foundation, has a plan going forward. Now we just got mutants back, and obviously, we and we had the actor. I think. We would have gotten mutants day two. They owned them again. They would have figured it out if Hugh Jackman's Wolverine didn't just die,
1: right? So you you think they would? You think they would have brought in the uh, the, the 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 mutants that we know?
0: Yes, hundred percent of them. Because interesting, I would assume they'd want the smallest leap possible for the audience because they're like, hey, listen, we have this whole world. And now, oh no! Here's here's fifteen more characters. This is Wolverine, and you're like, okay, that's not Hugh Jackman. This is <laughs> Professor Xavier. Okay, there are two of them, and that's not either of them. What is going? Where right. the fuck is Michael Fassbender?
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, well, that, that's why I, I was upset with with the whole um, uh, boner joke in in uh, Wandavision because oh. that oh that was a great way to cross that bridge. Yep. You know, that, it was a character that everybody loved, one of the few characters that everybody Mm -hmm. loved, um, from the X-Men movies and immediately recognizable, uh, fit perfectly into the story and is a great way to explain the multiverse, which in and of itself is kind of a complicated thing to understand if you're not, you know, if you're not pushing up your glasses. Uh, while you're reading your comic books, and they didn't take it,
0: you no, know they didn't. They sure did kill my boner.
1: Which, which makes yeah, <laughs> which makes me think that they must have a better plan, a plan that they have more faith in than what was handed to them on a plate.
0: That's the thing. I know? don't think they have a better plan. I think this is all hubris. I think this is like not the downfall of the MCU. It's just I think it will be looked back upon as the opportunity that they missed. They did not for one second miss the Spider-Man opportunity coming back. And what's so interesting about that is, you know, Spider-Man used to be the biggest IP for Marvel Studios by far. He is not anymore. He is not. Iron Man is and he's dead. Mm. Captain America was second and he is dead, basically. Thor as a Chris Hemsworth Thor was not even close. And then Ragnarok happened. He's in the Guardians <laughs> franchise now, and Thor is the face of the Marvel universe at the moment. I mean, you can say it's Thor or or Star Lord because Guardians did so well. But like they're now doubling down on no, no, no. Spider Man is here to stay. He's going to be the leader of the Avengers. He's the new Tony Stark. Did you know Sp- Sp- Spider Man's smart? Did you know he's a smart guy too? <laughs> That part of homecoming where he was just like, Oh man, Jake Joan Hall, I know physics. And I was like, Okay, I don't I don't need this. I know he's supposed to be smart. Peter Parker has always been he has been a guy with glasses who pushes it up while reading comic books. He is that exact thing. But I was like, <laughs> I don't I'm okay. Anyway, that's all besides the point. We are halfway through Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We feel fine about it. And that's as far as I'm willing to go on my feelings about the show as a whole. That's fair. So join us next time as we enter the second half of Falcon and the super-duper cold, just like Antarctic shoulder. And we look forward to seeing you and talking to you. Say, say bye, Chad. Goodbye, Chad. That was perfect. That's exactly what I wanted you to do.